Whenever I hear a Gospels like this, I think of two things. I, I think of my own family, and then I think of prison ministry. I think I better not talk about my family. So we'll talk about prison ministry. And of course, I do prison ministry. I share prison stories with you all the time. And, and I know um, that once I saw an image, a scene, I don't know if it's YouTube or not, but it was, uh, and if you ever walk down the long corridor of an inside of a detention center, it's just very cold and stark. And, you know, just all the doors cling and clang, and it's just, just really scary. And there was mud flowing down the hallway. And the mud was getting deeper and deeper. And on top of this mud stream was a stole, a purple stole. I know you know, you may have read the book, The Color Purple, but the purple here means forgiveness. It means incomprehensible. And every time it went through the isolation unit, went past one of the dorm rooms, went past one of the cells, from level A to level D, the mud river went down. Every time someone had forgiven, the mud went down. And I think that's really so powerful an image of what can happen in the real world, as we say, or in our lives, in our families, in our society. One thing I think that I mention a lot these days is not so much social justice, but social friendship. Because social friendship includes something called forgiveness. And forgiveness can change the world overnight. I've seen it change marriages overnight and families overnight. And so this is a powerful story evoking in us, well, what is this mud anyway, this mud river flowing through the halls of detention centers? In our own lives, it's, it's primarily, I think, shame. People these days are full, full of mud. And some researcher made it a direct connection between the level of shame in people's lives and immoral behavior. The more shame, the more likely we are to, to commit some act of immoral behavior. So if we are able to reduce the shame, then a lot of these acts of immorality will go away. And shame, um, as this is what I found out is listening to these people, uh, shame isn't the cure, they say, it's the cause. Shame driving that unethical behavior. The last thing people like is that need for shame. More shame just makes them more dangerous, gives them more opportunity to redirect attention to shaming behavior, weirdly, can drum up support from others 
who are looking for a way to discharge their pain and an enemy to blame. Shame leads to a blame culture. And the researchers go to what I think is very much part of this mud river, perfectionism. And someone once said that, oh, if we look perfect, live perfectly, work perfectly, and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. So, where perfectionism exists, shame is always lurking. So, this is what the researchers say. Perfection is at its core about approval and acceptance. More perfectionists were raised being praised for achievement and performance, good grades, good manners, nice appearance, sports prowess, rule following, and people pleasing. I am what I accomplish and how well I accomplish it. But what if I fail? Shame. And shame always leads to immoral behavior. Besides shame, there's also this mud flowing through the river, throwing through these cells. Is, um, humiliation is, we're not talking about the prayer for humility that people pray every day sometimes. But we're talking about social humiliation. And again, listening to the researchers, they say, humiliation is not only the most unappreciated force in international relations, it may be the missing link in search for the root cause of political instability and violent conflict. Perhaps the most toxic social dynamic of our age is people social humiliating each other. There's no humiliation there, just pure appreciation. And finally, embarrassment. We've all been, and not just teenagers are extremely sensitive to embarrassment, but I mean, all of us are completely sensitive to embarrassment. So you have this stream, and it's all connected to shame, perfectionism, humiliation, embarrassment. It's all connected to shame. And this man that owed a was filled unbelievable amount of shame. And what did the king do? To take away his shame, his humiliation, his embarrassment, his drive for perfectionism, he forgave his debt. How beautiful is that to experience that kind of forgiveness? St. Faustina said, This is what Jesus said to her. This 
famous image of divine mercy up front. St. Paul said once, he said, well, the greater the sin, the greater that person has a right to my mercy. And so what did this guy do? He went on and this guy, this other guy, had a, someone he needed to forgive and, and he had a much smaller debt and he didn't forgive his debt. He didn't take away his shame, his embarrassment, his humiliation. In fact, he did just the opposite. He shamed him. He embarrassed him. He humiliated him. And so the king threw that cursed guy back in jail to pay back a debt he could never pay back. What's the difference? What does it mean to forgive someone or to forgive your brother from your heart? Your heart is a place where the divine and the human intersect. It means you have a right to God's mercy. The first guy waived his right to God's mercy. And he, as a result, what followed? Shame, immorality, wrath upon his neighbor. So I invite all of you tonight, be, when we pray the Our Father together, when you get to that point in the Our Father, this is in Matthew's Gospel too, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Think about that one person, that one person that hurt you the most in your life. Think about that one person and forgive him or her. That is, don't wish shame upon them or embarrassment or humiliation. Just God's mercy. Amen.